Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Natasha Morano, Corporate and Government Affairs Director for Startup Canada. This week on the show, we are doing things a little differently. As we begin to wrap up our 2021 Startup Gov programming, I'll be talking to government leaders and those helping to create the conditions necessary for entrepreneurial success in Canada. In these episodes, launching across the Startup Canada podcast network, you will get a first-hand look at what's new in the government support space, how leaders are addressing founder needs, and tips to ensure you have your voice heard by government. Next week, our beloved host, Rick Spence, will be back with regular programming. The Startup Canada podcast is presented by MasterCard and is a production of Startup Canada, the gateway to Canada's entrepreneurship ecosystem that points you in the right direction, eliminates barriers, and champions your needs to private and public sector partners. Welcome to the show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to Startup Canada's podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Nina Tangri, Member of Provincial Parliament, MPP, for Mississauga Streetsville, and Ontario's Associate Minister of Small Business and Red Tape Production. Nina is an entrepreneur and small business owner with over 30 years experience in financial management. Before entering politics, she successfully ran her own insurance company. Nina was first elected as MPP for Mississauga Streetsville in 2018. In 2019, she was appointed Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade with a mandate to focus on economic expansion and investment in Ontario's world-class life sciences ecosystem. In her new role as minister, Nina is committed to growing Ontario's small business community and supporting the province's recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. Her greatest community achievements, including serving as vice president on the board of directors at the Credit Valley Hospital in Mississauga, and was a cabinet minister of Erin Oak Kids, she received the Queen Diamond Jubilee Award for her dedicated volunteer work. Nina and her husband Ashwani have three sons, two grandchildren, and a family dog named Stark. Welcome to the show, Minister Tangri. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It is really nice to be speaking to you all here again today. Well, we're delighted to host you again. And for those of you listening, this is our third uh, interaction with the minister. Uh, we had a great conversation just about a month ago. Um, and then she participated in a very productive roundtable with our uh, 18 uh, Startup Canada community leaders from across the province of Ontario for our Startup Gov programming. So it's a pleasure to have you back. And I know this will not uh, be the last time. We look forward to further engaging you. Now, Minister, you have quite a unique background and can arguably approach your everyday activities almost from two lenses. One as an entrepreneur and small business owner, and one as a politician. So let's start with learning a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. Walk us through how you became an entrepreneur. Well, thank you again, Natasha. It's, uh, you know, when I, I grew up in a, a business family in England, uh, so I saw firsthand on what it was like to have to purchase and sale and be there in front of customers. And so when I came to Canada in 1984, my husband was already in the uh, life insurance uh, world and working towards his what we call a general insurance license or property and casualty license. So I was working elsewhere. I was working in a wire and cable company and uh, enjoying that thoroughly. But he kept pushing me and saying, get licensed, get licensed. So I did. I stepped away from that world and started uh, studying and did classes. And 
I was pregnant with my first child. I remember that. And so while I was doing my exam, I was feeling very nauseous. <laughs> it was oh. running out to, to, to go to the bathroom. So it was very difficult, but I aced the exam, which was, it was very good. Um, and then when I, you know, I, I passed that, I thought, oh, wow, I can actually do this. And then we started working together um, and building up our, his clientele. And while he was doing his general license, so he started selling auto and home insurance and business insurance. So as we sort of started building up and building up our businesses and meeting clients and having referrals, I think that was that the most important thing. So we were able to just start from absolutely nothing and build up our career to a very successful business that it is today. That is so inspiring. And, you know, I think that hearing stories like that is sort of what, um, you know, up and up and coming entrepreneurs need to hear that you know if you can if you can balance coming to Canada studying being pregnant and then launching a successful business I mean talk about having the entrepreneurial spirit just like overpowering your body and running through your veins how, how did you balance that being a young mother um, going through you know doing your exams being pregnant then um, creating this business with your husband but then also you know having a young child at home how did you how did you balance everything it's very difficult, but I think as we, we all know, women just tend to be very flexible and always adapt to the situation. And yeah. we just do it because it has to be done. You have to look after your children. You you need an income and uh, you just continue to do everything that you need to do. And, um, you know, I, I have so much respect for a lot of the women out there that really do. And I guess it's it's good and it's not so good in some ways where we want to do it all. We want to be able to do it all, but sometimes it is too much. And I think we just need to understand our limitations as well. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. And something that um, Startup Canada very passionate about through our uh, Startup Women programming is really trying to connect uh, women in the ecosystem with advisors, mentorship support. So a question for you, uh, ministers, did you have any sort of mentorship or advisory support as you were you know, embarking upon this exciting journey of being a mother, um, being a small business owner, and really sort of um, honing your entrepreneurial skills? So I didn't really have a lot of mentors in the insurance world, um, but you know, it was sort of just getting out there and being there. But when I did do my course there, there were a number of other women doing the course and some of those that were teaching the course. Um, so I guess the guidance from some of those and how they were dealing with it and, and what they were doing, I think really helped somewhat in understanding how challenging the industry was and what you need to be able to continue to move forward. It's an industry that uh, unfortunately a lot of people become licensed and then don't do anything with that license and for various reasons because they have small children perhaps and it is uh, because it's a commission-based industry for the most part for those who are brokers it can take a long time to build up that um, enough income to survive so if you don't have a, another income sometimes it's very difficult for people to be able to be successful in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's anything but a nine to five. And that's very much, you know, that's that's an entrepreneur's uh, sort of landscape. It's not nine to five. It's just you, you, you dig down, you do what you need to do. And hours almost become irrelevant in a way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what I mean, if you had to give, you know, some advice, or if we were to look at, you know, some key ingredients for entrepreneurial success, specifically women that are balancing so many different responsibilities, wearing so many different hats, you know, could you maybe highlight a few different uh, ingredients for success, specifically for women, and then sort of opening it up a little bit wider to, you know, the every entrepreneur um, that's looking to uh, embark upon this uh, exciting journey? I think, um, I think 
just the realization in the first place, just being completely realistic uh, about your goals and your short-term and your long-term goals. You're not going to become a millionaire overnight in any industry. Um, so it is, I think it's critical to understand that it, one, it's going to take hard work. I think everybody understands that. Um, and it takes homework. I think it just understanding what you need to do to be prepared and then really talk to your network. So your family, your friends, uh, and you have to let people know that you're in the industry of, of whatever that career may be. And if it's in a sales career, you know, just ask them what I used to do is I used to say, well, when is your policy coming up for renewal for your auto insurance? And we just like to have the opportunity to quote you. And if we're better, fine. If we're not, you're good where you are. Um, and that for most people, it's, you're not coming up upon as being aggressive. Uh, but at the same time, you're there to provide a service. And that's something that we've been very successful with. We don't, uh, we never told our clients that, um, you know, here's a price, take it or leave it. We always try to build up that relationship. And I think that is the absolutely largest key ingredient for success, I think, in everything, not just entrepreneurial, but um, even in politics, those relationships that you build with uh, others, uh, whether it's in your own industry or in others. And 99% of our clients are referred. So then that's where you know you're doing a good job. Uh, when people are willing to refer others to you and the service that you provide it can't be just okay once a year they come to you to renew their policy you have to provide service throughout the year uh, and understanding that so that is your client and you want to keep that client permanently um, i always took it very seriously um, you know felt took it very personally if i lost a client so and i do the same thing within politics i um you know my constituents are now my clients and we work very, very hard in my office to support all of our constituents, really pushing hard for a successful result for them. And if, we, if we're unable to, I do take it personally. So we really do take <laughs> extra step always well you that certainly comes through in how you uh how you present yourself and certainly the interactions that we've had with you um you know we can we can certainly tell that you 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 take relationships very seriously and they're they're authentic right i mean i think to your point uh in your industry and similarly in an entrepreneur's uh landscape it's all about authentic genuine relationships and i think the pandemic has even taught us taught that even more you know we have come together as as a group of uh entrepreneurs a group of small business owners a group of mothers a group of women we sense of community has been so incredibly strong and at the helm of that is relationship building and relationships and so um you know i think that that's um an ingredient certainly that runs through i think any successful politicians um, you know, toolkit as well as certainly an entrepreneur's toolkit. So, you know, maybe let's switch switch gears now. Uh, let's talk about your your political career. And I think this is a nice segue because we've touched on relationships. We've talked about the the impact of powerful and meaningful partnerships. Uh, and the Digital Main Street uh, program um, certainly is built on, on partnerships. And I know that's something that you've been talking about and certainly sharing with our community um, as well as your constituents. But before we get into some of the programs that I know you're very passionate about and uh, have certainly been helpful uh, in supporting small business owners during the pandemic, I'd love to learn a little bit more just about your political career. So you were first elected um, for MPP for Mississauga Streetsville in 2018. But what made you get into politics? Maybe take us on that political journey, if you don't mind. <laughs> Thank you, Natasha. Well, I'll go back <laughs> all the way to the early 90s. So in the 1990 election, um, the then uh, running in the election, uh, Bob Ray 
the NDP who became the premier, he ran on a policy of um, taking auto insurance and making it um, a government program. And we said, okay, if that's what the government's going to do, let's, you know, we will, they have to work through us. So we will work with them. Uh, so that was one of the things. And as much as we felt that, that it was not doable. Uh, secondly, when he did come into government, not only did he not fulfill that promise, he increased taxes. He added taxes onto auto insurance and home insurance, which I thought was really, really just adding to the cost of everyone. It was really significant. Uh, that was really upsetting to me. And, you know, just as a mother with, at that point, two children, and and uh, I, I was just frustrated working so hard in my business, paying significant amount of taxes, and I saw so much waste in government. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started thinking, you know, I, you know, yelling at the TV a lot of the time. <laughs> that showed your passion. <laughs> and people would say, why don't you get involved? Why don't you do something about it? And, you know, back in that time, I used to think, well, you know, you have to be a lawyer to be uh, uh, in politics or whatever, obviously not the case. Uh, but, you know, I used to think, well, legislation, it's its very legalese. And even though I did understand a lot of it, I, I really didn't think, you know, I was able to do that. But, you know, they encouraged me to get involved. So I, I started to do my homework. I thought, okay, let me see if the NDP obviously is not my choice because I'm very upset with how they're running government right now. And so I looked at the liberals and I looked at the progressive conservatives and I consider myself to be fiscally responsible. So, you know, while yes, we need to have taxation, but when you're the trustee of taxpayers dollars, you have to be very, very careful on how you spend those dollars. Mm -hmm. And that, so that takes away from the waste. But then I also felt that you really do have to be socially responsible. Um, people do fall through the cracks. We have to have a world-class healthcare system and education system. And just doing my homework really brought me towards the progressive conservatives. So as those couple of years went by, 1994, when uh, 1995 election came about, and I saw the common sense revolution that Mike Harris then had brought out, it really resonated with me and uh, how I would like to see as uh, as a government so i supported uh, our local candidates and you know we formed government at that point but then i just started getting involved that was just as a volunteer and mm -hmm. um, then they asked me to say why don't you come and uh, come to the convention why don't you come to some of our events and uh, then i you know i thought oh my god i, I was at a convention with the premier <laughs> it was uh, you know a big deal at the time of course and, you know, just i was in my 20s and really excited and you know, and I met and I met the premier and I had a discussion with him and I thought this was this great, you know, he's accessible. And then, you know, I was asked to come on the board of the local writing association. So I got involved at that point. And then people started encouraging me to run. They said, you know, I think you could be a great voice for, for this local area. So I started thinking about politics. And so from I could say 2000 up until now, it's, it's, it's taken me almost 20 years, 20 years to to get elected. It's a uh, it was a long journey and, uh, you know, I'd run in the past unsuccessfully. So this was, uh, you know, a long time in the making, but it was, I really wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we stuck to our guns as far as making sure that we are fiscally responsible, but socially responsible as well. Well, thank you so much for, for providing that uh, 
that snapshot into uh, how you got into the role that you're in today and uh, just the personal the personal antidotes again you know picking up on uh, some of those characteristics of um, you know entrepreneurship and the political landscape you know determination uh, grit perseverance uh, tenacity it's it's fantastic to see that you were able to uh, apply the same skills uh, from uh, being a small business owner and entrepreneur uh, to uh, to being a, a politician today um, so let's let's fast forward now from 2018 to 2019 June um, when you were appointed the parliamentary uh, assistant to uh, to the Minister of Economic Development uh, job creation and trade um, with a mandate to focus on economic expansion and investment in Ontario's world-class life sciences ecosystem. Maybe you could share a little bit uh, with our listeners today um, about sort of what your main responsibilities look like as it pertains to this particular role, and then what a typical day in the office looks like for you. And I know a typical day uh, in the office uh, for you over the last, what, 19 months has certainly changed, but it's been great to see uh, on your social media that you're back to visiting small business owners from across the province. I know you just got back from Blue Mountain, uh, and you've been very, very busy. But um, let's let's circle back to my initial point of the question, which was, what uh, what are your main responsibilities as the uh, as the parliamentary assistant? And then uh, let's talk about what uh, the everyday life of a politician looks like. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, Natasha. So back in 2019, well, I'll go back further than that. So when I became first was first elected, I was approached by um, some members of the life science, mostly the pharmaceutical industry. Industry. Um, so at the, the, the top of my writing, uh, I have an area which is actually nicknamed Hill Hill. And I had a significant number of life sciences companies there. Um, and and I, I was unaware of this uh, pre-election. So, you know, they brought me in and educated me on the industry and some of the challenges they were facing with our current federal government. And, uh, you know, it's a significant number of people uh, work in our life sciences industry, whether it's direct or indirect. And we have absolutely seen throughout the pandemic of how critical the industry is, the fact that we were able to um, pivot very quickly and, you know, have ventilators made very quickly uh, that we potentially desperately needed. We were very frightened the PPE that we needed. Um, the industry just turned around very quickly. And the fact that we had vaccines, um, you know, developed and made as quickly as it was uh, is, is almost unheard of. And so you, as a newfound, I guess, uh, respect for the industry uh, has come about, I think, with the pandemic. But going back, just learning about the industry and uh, this particular company, Roche Canada, mm -hmm. um, they were at that point looking at doing an expansion of about 500 very well-paying jobs. And uh, we were one of the places in the running for those jobs uh, globally. So it was brought down to the final three. One was in the United States, one was in Ireland, and one was here in Mississauga. Obviously, we want those jobs here. So um, I met with them, and uh, so we discussed it. We talked to um, the Ministry of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade at the time. Uh, what we were facing was Ireland was offering them 12 million euros to come they have you know, great universities around there, so the talent was available. And so we were really in a lot of tough competition in Ohio, I think it was where uh, the third location was in the United States. They were offering them, offering them significant incentives. 
So it was difficult because we really weren't looking to provide any funding to bring them here at that point. So we kept in, con in touch with them. And at one point, their head of their global human resources was coming in, who was pretty much the decision maker on where these jobs would go. Mm -hmm. So uh, I met with him in my office and we then met with um, the premier Ministry of Health and Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade. We had a, a, a nice round table uh, and discussed, uh, you know, why Ontario is the best place to have those jobs. And we sit, we certainly have some of the best talent coming out of our colleges and universities. Um, we are a great place to live, to work, to raise a family. We, you know, just, you know, Ontario really to me is almost the perfect place to, for those jobs to be. So we, you know, we did our sales pitch and, um, you know, during that conversation, we went back to my office at Queens Park and he said, you know what, I think we've managed to take the USA out of the equation. So now it's between Mississauga and, and uh, Ireland. Wow. And <laughs> the head of human resources was actually Irish. So it was, oh, goodness. It was uh, definitely a, a long shot. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, we continued conversations uh, with the company. And without any government funding whatsoever, a few months later, they made the announcement that those 500 jobs are coming here. Wow. So it was a huge plus for us. And this is prior to becoming parliamentary assistant. And then I worked with many other companies on how we can um, really work and grow jobs here. And something called the uh, Patented Medicines Pricing Review Board federally are changing how the cost of pharmaceuticals are, not so much the cost, but the um, the cost for the consumer. So everybody wants uh, affordable uh, drugs, affordable treatments for for everyone. But <clears throat> we were based on globally, they were they were wanting to reduce the cost anything from two to seventy percent. So that's been ongoing, and that was uh, pre my election. That's been ongoing with the federal government. The industry is having a lot of difficulty bringing more investment to Canada at this point. Um, because of the uncertainty with the federal government and this, uh, the way that their pricing um, strategy is going. So, you know, we've been still there with the industry trying to encourage them to come here, whilst the federal government's almost doing the opposite. So we're still working with them. We're still trying to get them to review it and work with the industry and with us so that we don't lose all of that investment here. But that, so that was the life sciences area. And uh, I worked with Life Sciences Ontario in the very beginning and they were concerned that they were sometimes not able to find enough talent they found that say for example if i was living if i was from windsor um and i went to university in state whether it's windsor london or here in mississauga and i and they hired me as soon as sort of i was able to get a job back in windsor where my family are i would leave so that, that was a concern and, and poaching from each other because there just wasn't enough talent. So I was asking them constantly to try and find ways how we can build more talent that would stay. So we started what we called the Life Sciences Scholarship Program. So I said, well, why don't you take kids from Mississauga if, if based on because the, we were concerned about the pharmaceutical companies and the life science companies here in Mississauga. I said, take the kids with a postal code that they, they're from here and uh, while they're in first or second year university, why don't you have a one scholarship, but you have to do something that's a little different to everyone else, which is a one on one mentoring. Bring them into your industry, show them what your industry is about, and you can they can learn and see if they're interested in being that in that industry. These are good, well paying jobs, very satisfying. And 
and uh, they've been having difficulty retaining that talent because it just leaves. Right. Uh, and so we started the scholarship program. We had significant success with it. The first year, each one, each one of them had $4,000 scholarship and they had that one-on-one -on -one mentoring and it was so successful that the following two years, so it's been three years now, um, this program is continuing and they found they're starting to find people that when they've graduated from university, as those first people are now, that they've been able to bring them into the industry and uh, it's, it's really successful. But it was so successful that we took it right across the province. That's so fantastic. Here. So this is not government money. This is the industry mm -hmm. um, doing this together. So we, we passed it on to Life Sciences Ontario who administer it and, and uh, advertise it throughout all the universities and colleges in Ontario. So it's really been successful. We want to continue with that. So the life sciences section, now we, we wanted to put together a life science strategy. It is pretty much ready. Um, just the pandemic has delayed, delayed putting that forward. But uh, Minister Fideli and I, have worked significantly globally with many life sciences companies uh, to try and attract more investment here. And it is working. So uh, hopefully that will continue to be uh, very successful. Wow. Well, I had absolutely no idea that you spearheaded, you know, two incredible initiatives um, with supporting, um, you know, the life science industry in in um, in Ontario. That's that's fantastic. So I want to get to sort of focusing on some of the programs that you've been, um, you know, playing a vital role in terms of shaping and crafting as it relates to support for small business owners and uh, in entrepreneurs related to just the devastating impact of, of COVID-19. Um, but before we, we go into that, just um, just a question in around, you know, when the pandemic hit, I'm sure it, it, it modified you not being able to go to Queen's Park, not being able to visit your constituents, not being able to go hear firsthand um, from small business owners in terms of, you know, just a pulse check on what it's looking like for them. Um, but seeing on, uh, on uh, your social media, it's great that you're, you're back out and you're meeting with small business owners and entrepreneurs, um, and hopefully that, that's here to stay. But um, what was that like for you? I mean, I can tell you're a people person. You obviously love to be able to, to connect. Uh, relationship building is clearly at the helm of what you do. Um, but how were you able to you know, check in with your constituents, check in with small business owners uh, and entrepreneurs from across the province to see how they were doing uh, during the pandemic with not being able to have the, well, the luxury of being able to go see them in person? Yeah, it was so critical, Natasha. I can tell you it was... Uh... You know, my, I guess, initial hope with the COVID was that it was two to four weeks, so we close everything down and uh, it will be gone and we could open everything back up again. But as we've seen now, 18 months later, 19 months later, that is not the case. And it's been a, a complete roller coaster. But as soon as the pandemic hit, we said, okay, let's start reaching out immediately to our constituents, uh, businesses and uh, personal constituents and start, make sure we were calling them. We actually hired a company and my office staff because initially they were working from home that all we did pretty much all of us all day was calling them just to make sure they were okay. Uh, if they needed anything, you know, we worry about seniors who are unable to go out with, you know, mm -hmm. how they get groceries. So we've worked with a number of um, community organizations by getting boxes of food to people. Um, but with our entrepreneurs, of course, it was so much of the unknown. Um, so we also reached out to them as best we could. And my lo location in Streetsville, we actually have a Streetsville Business Improvement Association. So we worked with them to have, um, you know, uh, webinars and uh, certainly with the Mississauga Board of Trade. Uh, 
uh, we were able to um, do a number of events with them and we tried to do them. So we had the federal government, myself, uh, Mayor Crombie. Uh, so the three of us together would talk about uh, what, how we can support them, uh, where we are. And of course, like I say, it was so much of the unknown. Hindsight is a lovely thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can go back and say, I wish we'd have done this a little differently. Perhaps we should have done that differently. Um, but at the time, you had to do the best that you could based on the, the chief medical officer of health um, guidelines. And he was, you know, whatever he suggested was what we would go with um, just to make sure that we kept people safe, because that was what was at the top of everyone's mind. Of course. Um, but it was just so important that we got out to, to try and find and make sure that our um, constituents and our businesses uh, were okay. Um, like I said, it was so much of the unknown. Uh, so we quickly, very quickly, um, uh, I put a piece out a little later, <clears throat> the Minister Fideli sort of designed supports for businesses. So all of the different supports that we had, he had listed and how to apply. But I did that uh, sort of a two-sided supports for people. So all the different support programs we had for them. And then on the other side was support for businesses. And we had it sent to every single address that was a business or a home. Wow. Uh, just so that everybody knew. And then we really, we started taking out billboards and bus shelters just so that we could let people know the critical numbers uh, that they needed to know if they needed help. And uh, my office, even though uh, for a small period of time it was closed, uh, we only stayed closed for a very, very short period. And then we cohorted a little bit. So we had two people in the office at a time. Uh, I was in the office actually almost right through COVID. I didn't work from home much at all. Wow. Because it was it was all right for me to be there and uh, the ability to just continue working throughout the day uh, to support our constituents and ca- calling them. And really, I was very, very concerned about a lot of people. Uh, as we've seen, it's also taken a huge toll on people's mental health. And for businesses, yeah. some businesses have not survived and they put everything into their business. And it's it's just been so devastating and just to see having said that there's so many have been able to pivot they've been very resilient they've been able to do things a little differently um i was just really glad some of the things we did for the restaurants and allowing alcohol takeout the patio program just just the the small they're small things but they made a massive difference to those businesses so i'm just pleased we were able to do that yeah absolutely and i mean i think you i'm glad that you um, being a, being a, an entrepreneur yourself and a small business business owner, um, you understand and, and can certainly empathize with just how tumultuous this has been. And you know, it's one step forward, ten steps back mentality. Um, and there's been some programs that um, have certainly been helpful for those small business owners and entrepreneurs that were eligible. Um, and you know, looking at some in Ontario, um, you know, there's been uh, investments in the um, Ontario uh, small business grant support, obviously the digital Main Street uh, relief grant for personal protective equipment, property tax and energy cost rebate grants, a handful of different programs that I know um, that you've, you worked on um, to try to support uh, as many small business owners as possible. But what sort of support is available or are there any conversations happening uh, in Queen's Park right now pertaining to those entrepreneurs that unfortunately were not eligible for support and they're still struggling, they're still trying to keep the lights on. Um, is there any additional support that may be coming through for them or any for those listening today that are, are struggling, any other support that maybe you can provide um, intel on that may may help them just get through this final, hopefully this final fourth wave and things can go back to 
I don't want to say normal because I don't know if what we used to know will ever be the new normal, but as, as um, calm of a, a landscape as possible for them. Yeah, it has. It's been extremely difficult this past year and a half, uh, really for our businesses and all of our entrepreneurs. And, and it's critical to also understand that one size really doesn't fit all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's what we had. It's sort of that wide range of different supports. So obviously the, the Ontario Small Business Support Grant, um, I think we put out something along the lines of $3 billion. So that got that urgent, unprecedented support to that. Um, I think it was 110,000 small businesses right across the province. Um, but one of our top priorities is, you know, we really want to help businesses rebound and support our economic growth across our province. And, you know, we invested, of course, in our new, we just did this additional investment of $10 million for the Digital Main Street program. Mm -hmm. um, and that that was critical. So I've been across the province talking to many uh, of those who have been successful and uh, to hear their stories on, on what worked. Uh, and how we can improve it. And, and one of the big things was, is that um, uh, those who didn't, weren't part of a BIA, for example, mm -hmm. uh, couldn't apply before. So that's not the case anymore. So, you know, it was able to get a number of businesses, I mean, like 13,000 small businesses across Ontario, be able to expand. Now we'll also be able to expand their online presence. So for many businesses, they wouldn't have even, they wouldn't have even thought of going online pre-pandemic, but right. In order to survive, the Digital Main Street program has been their lifeline. So it, it's it's really great to listen to some of the entrepreneurs who have been able to take advantage of that and worked with those uh, the one-on-one -on -one people in the Main Street program. And uh, it, it it was it's really heartening to see. And, and in many small uh, rural areas, so it wasn't just a, a downtown Toronto thing. It was something that people across the province have been able to. Uh, successfully get online um, but you know we also put a lot of money into um, the, what we call the regional development program so there were some areas specific regions that had you know their own challenges so southwestern ontario eastern ontario and then of course northern ontario who always uh, have significant challenges uh, for them and in, in the in the normal as we said circumstances so throughout the pandemic it's been even so much harder but one of the good things I think was uh, was so important uh, on some cost sharing things that we did. Um, so with businesses and with municipalities and different economic organizations uh, mm -hmm. to help them get through uh, the pandemic and to continue to do that. Um, but I think going forward, I think uh, another thing we did um, uh, and we still continue to utilize what we call the Ontario Together Fund. That was so significant throughout the pandemic. Uh, you know, I spoke about ventilators, uh, how I can talk about one of the companies uh, that were local, that they were able to give us their their IP and the specifications for one of their ventilators to allow another company to pivot from making appliances to, to making ventilators for us and, you know, taking advantage of the Ontario Together Fund and, and doing that uh, so that we have an abundance of ventilators ready if needed. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things is that not only did we have those ready to go, um, as we saw in India, they had a dire need for oxygen and for ventilators. We were able to send a number of them over there. Um, so from a global perspective, from uh, it, it's, it's just really great that we were prepared in case we needed them, but uh, that we were, because we had them sitting in a warehouse being unused, that we were able to utilize them and get them off to India where it's been a lifesaver for many people. But also throughout the pandemic, um, that fund, it, it, just those local innovations and PPE, 
um, our whole medical technology ecosystem really, really stepped up. So I'm, I'm very proud of the industry. But then there's also, um, we've got what we call the Invest Ontario Fund. So that's part mm -hmm. of our 2021 budget. Um, and with that, we've committed another $400 million over four years to support sector attraction and investments in key areas. So like manufacturing and technology and of course the life sciences, because you know, we've seen tech manufacturing and technology leave Ontario, leave Canada um, so much over the past uh, two decades. So we really wanted to encourage more manufacturing and it is working. We've been able to um, encourage a number of companies to come here and set up and you know, that's all creating jobs for people in Ontario. And uh, now our new agency called Invest Ontario, it's become this one-stop shop, uh, which we've designed to signal and strategic investments uh, into our province for open for business, open for investments. And of course, we are very much open for jobs. So that's, that's a really sort of high level of some of the actions we've taken to support businesses, but we're always um, talking, uh, you know, throughout government on ways that how we can think of maybe supporting our businesses now through more recovery. Um, you know, supply chain for good or for bad, uh, the supply chain has been able to continue for the most part, but there are some areas, for example, micro certain microchips that are needed, mostly for vehicles. So industry standing still until we can get more of those microchips in. And this is a global issue, not just here in Ontario. Um, but, you know, until we can find ways to make sure our, our supply chain really does continue food needs to get to our table you know farming needs to happen uh, we still want to make sure we're there for everyone from all industries to be able to continue it's great to hear that you um you're remaining accessible uh and you're remaining open to you know looking at new ways to potentially tweak programs or enhance programs um, because as you said it's not a one-size-fits-all approach every single small business owner every single entrepreneur has a unique story a unique dna to their business um, and so it's, it's great that, you know, your office remains accessible, um, to be able to connect and, and offer recommendations. And I think, you know, stemming back to what I had said earlier, um, you taking the time to connect with some of our startup Canada community leaders from the province of Ontario, an opportunity for them to share their insights, share their recommendations, uh, conversations like that, I think obviously need to continue to happen. Um, and Startup Canada really being that national voice, that national connector, that national convener. Um, we pride ourselves on being able to bring those conversations together. So, you know, my next question for you, um, and we sort of talked on this, but, you know, for the entrepreneurs and small business owners that are listening in today, what advice do you have for them in ensuring that their recommendations and concerns are heard by their local MPPs or, you know, relevant ministers, um, and that they do have a voice, they are seen, they are heard, and they're taken, you know, seriously regarding what their pain points are right now and in the future. Yeah, and I think it's really critical, Natasha, and you touched on it earlier. I mean, Startup Canada itself is a great place for them to, the fact that we are discussing many of these issues and um, you, you're a great, uh, a great uh, area for them to uh, find information. But get involved in your local business associations, whether it's the BIA, your chambers of commerce, your business improvement associations. Um, um, we have in Mississauga Board of Trade because they are there to, to be, they are there on your behalf as an entrepreneur. Uh, they represent you. Find out from your local municipality what resources are available in their economic development offices. Uh, some of them have really de excellent develop economic development opportunities 
uh, for you to look at. We do have what we call the RICs and the SBECs. So mm -hmm. what they are, the regional innovation centers and the small business enterprise centers. So we have a number of those throughout the province. They are a great source uh, for people to find out information and supports on specific types of industries or specific types of businesses. And these opportunities are not only a great way to meet other entrepreneurs, but it also lets you be aligned with like-minded business people who can represent your interests and also get to your elected provincial officials. Many of those, the industries have lobbyists and they have um, organizations or agencies uh, and their job really is to come to us as government on behalf of that particular industry or profession and you know, bring the concerns to us and what we think can change. So I really do encourage entrepreneurs, reach out to your local MPP. They are there to support you. You know, if I have a business that comes to me and they, they need support, they need help. Uh, for many people, as they apply for the small business grant, sometimes people, you know, you, you mistakenly just put one small item uh, as a yes or a no or something, and it disqualified you from um, getting the grant. But when, you know, when we were able to go through it and realize it was just a mistake, we were able to get that fixed and, you know, get that grant out to them. So that was so critical in, in supporting many of our local, you know, businesses. So that was very critical. So always reach out to your MPP. They are there for you. Uh, and they can also help you to find what supports we have in government and, and other supports that we may be looking at as well. But always come with suggestions. I always, this is something that I tell people uh, across the board. Um, it's, all, it's great to say this isn't working or that's not um, and, and have a, a problem or a complaint. But if you have suggestions, on how to solve that issue or suggestions for us as government. We want to hear that as well. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's your spot on. And that's something that um, I think just for the listeners uh, that are, are tuning in today uh, and hearing it straight from the minister's mouth, yes, come with suggestions. No idea is a silly one. Um, you know, that's, that's how policy is, is, is crafted and, and, and new ideas come to the, you know, come into Queen's Park, essentially, um, you know, it has to start from somewhere. Minister, you know, some of the programs that you've mentioned, some of the different services that are available um, at various municipalities, provincially, uh, federally, is all this information housed on, on your website? Or is it still a little bit, is it still sort of up to the entrepreneur to know about these programs and then sort of go to each respective website to, to learn more? So uh, some of the the, the best places to go. You can always go to my website, which is ninatangri.ca. The Ontario.ca government website has a significant amount of information on all of the different programs uh, throughout the province. Uh, my office can guide you if there's somewhere that you need to be, whether it's municipal uh, or federal, we can, uh, you know, help you navigate the system that way. You know, I always, you know, as an entrepreneur or as an individual, uh, you don't always know whether it's provincial or federal or municipal mm -hmm. or regional. There's just so many different areas. So, you know, we don't, I have no problem if people call us and say, you know, I have this specific thing that I need to find out and we can guide you in the right direction. So, you know, always feel free to reach out to us and uh, we'll try and support you and find a way. Sometimes it's just making a quick phone call on your behalf to um, the local municipality and just to find where that information is and we can do that. That's not, that's not an issue for us. And, uh, you know, like I said, we are your representatives, so we are here to support you. And it's, I think it's critical to know uh, we're trying to find better ways on how we can um, have a sort of a one-stop shop so people can mm -hmm. understand where to go, um, you know, and have those websites uh, so you can just click and it'll take you straight there. So I've done that quite a lot 
um, when I when I spoke about that supports for you, supports for businesses, all of those were on there, and not all of them were provincial. So we, you know, we had the wage subsidy program, we had CERB on there, we had uh, learners program, we had supports, uh, government supports, our grant and the federal program. So we we put all of them on that particular piece just so that people could go right to where they need to, if they need to support where they could go. I'm pleased to hear how um, how aware you are of the fact that it just we need to simplify the process for entrepreneurs and small business owners and having a one stop shop where it's easy, it's accessible um, is is really uh, a game changer in terms of the, the the busy lives that they that they live. Now, Minister, our time is coming to uh, to a close, unfortunately, and I wish that we uh, we could uh, have more time with you, and I'm sure there will, will be an opportunity uh, in, in the future. But I'm going to conclude with uh, just asking you a bit of a personal question, and that is, you have accomplished clearly so very much. You are a leader, a mother, a politician, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, just to name a few accolades. But what are you the most proud of? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know what, I, I think what I'm most proud of is um, that I'm accessible, that I'm, I'm here to support you, to support our communities. And if, you know, if what I do encourages somebody to, whether it's get involved as an entrepreneur, to get involved in politics, um, to understand that there's, there's you know, it's okay. Every job is a good job. Every um, aspect of life, uh, whatever you choose to do, uh, it should be respected. Just to understand, I think I'm just so proud of the fact that we live in a community where we have the freedom to, um, you know, to do pretty much whatever we like to do and understanding the significant challenges throughout COVID. But, um, you know, I'm just so proud that, you know, we live in such a diverse great community that we have a government that has our backs and uh, to make sure that if this if you ever need help that we are there to support you and uh, understanding you know we I, I've worked with a number of food banks for example and throughout the pandemic where people in the past would never even dream of going to a food bank and mm -hmm. for them to just take that first step and, and go and say I've never done this before. I don't know what to do. You know, we've worked with them and it's very, you know, you just go there and the first time you go is frightening and understanding that it's okay. Uh, it's okay to ask for help. And I think that we just, we're very, very fortunate here in Ontario and Canada that we, we have such a great system in place to support people, but a system that can be improved. And uh, I hope that I'm going to be able to ask um, a leader in the community, as a politician and now a minister, that I now have the ability to make that change and that positive change. And uh, I'm always open to suggestions uh, on how we can do things better. And I hope people do reach out to, and, and participate in that. Well, thank you so very much, Minister, for being such an authentic and genuine leader and for all of your insights and your transparency today. We, we sincerely appreciate it. We look forward to having the opportunity to host you again, whether it be through a podcast, another roundtable, perhaps something in person in the near future. Uh, but until then, I'd like to thank you so much for your time. Thank you to all of the listeners today. And uh, I hope everyone uh, has a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. To follow along with all things StartupGov, head over to www.startupcan.ca. Until next week, I'm your host, Natasha Morano.